a month or so ago, sommelier Rick Arlen, whose wine program I absolutely loved at Auburn, agreed to come on the show. And I'm so incredibly thankful that even amidst a week of political uprising, he was still open to keep the interview. It really allowed us space to talk not just about wine, but to have a candid and very necessary conversation about diversity in the wine industry. Rick is by all counts an incredibly interesting guy. He's a former pro baseball player who has impeccable taste in music and, dare I say, a competition-worthy beard. Today, he's sharing everything from the unsung historical contributions that the Black community has made to wine and spirits, to how we can widen our perspectives in the world of wine, and why Marvin Gaye may just be the perfect musical pairing for the moment. Plus, he shares the scoop that he's opening his own spot right here in LA. Thanks so much for joining me, Rick. Hey, look, I should give you a little bit of a disclaimer here because the audio situation is not great at my house right now. There's literally helicopters, sirens. It's like a chorus of police activity outside of my house. The National Guard is like parked down the street. So if there is audio interference on on my end, I apologize. No worries. We live in times where that's going to be a thing for a while, I think. So I think that's, that's forgivable over here. So which is also why I'm so thankful that you're taking the time to, you know, chat with me. It's obviously not, it's, it's a heavy time, I think for everybody, but particularly I imagine for you, you're a black man working in America. So I just, you know, I really want to thank you for, for doing this in, in this moment. No worries. Thank you for giving me the space and the platform to be able to, to speak my mind today. So I really appreciate that as well. Thank you. Of course, of course. You know, normally these interviews, I run them like a Zoom happy hour. And of course, it's kind of sure. tricky, right? I mean, I'm so glad that you agreed to talk with me under these circumstances. Not at all. But, you know, and we could all certainly use a drink right now. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, facts. Send along this beautiful chapel down sparkling wine. And I would hate for it to go to waste. Yeah. Um, so I think maybe it can be kind of cool if you're open to it. There's some sort of intention that you want to share or, you know, a toast even, you know, um, as we open this up and, and, and toast to, you know, what you're hoping for in the future. Yeah, absolutely. So let me open this and we can do a little positivity out there. <laughs> it's just, it's one of the best sounds in the world, isn't it? Isn't it? Oh. So joyous. You know, you hear that sound and you're like, this is, it's going to be a good time. You know? Oh my gosh. Yes. That is the sweetest sound on earth. It almost sounds like the ocean. I feel like I went a little bit higher than the, whatever it is, the angels kiss or whatever it is that we're aiming for. But <laughs> I have a champagne glass. Should I be yeah, doing this in a, the flute? It's Should I be you. tasting it in a wine glass? I do personally, but it's up to you. Everybody's different. Oh. And I think there's nothing wrong with the flute. I think the flute is great for what we're drinking. Um, you don't have to switch it out if you don't want to, you know? So okay. I, I believe in, in wine glass freedom. I believe that people drink whatever <laughs> they really want. I am, when I'm, when I'm at home, you know, I don't drink go to wine glasses. A lot of times I drink it out of, out of a Duralex tumbler. You know, I, I don't, you know, necessarily always want to drink out of a wine glass, you know, but, uh, you know, I'm all for it, man. Do it, drink whatever you want. It's all good. Drink how you want, whatever you want. Oh, I love songs life. like you. Yes, that's the way. It's just like, yeah, don't stop fussing over things. Just make sure it's it tastes cool. good. It's oh not my that gosh. deep, man. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the flute totally works with things like this because it has this great effervescent quality. Something like champagne with a lot of age or sparkling with a lot of age, I would want to drink out of a wine glass personally. But mm. the flute, nothing wrong with the flute. Totally, it works. It serves its purpose, which okay. is to keep... Uh, the bubbles in the glass and keep everything bubbly and fresh and delicious. So I'm all for the flu too. 
They awesome. both are good. How about this? But I'm drinking out of this beautiful Riedel wine glass. Cheers. I want to raise this toast for positivity and for understanding. So this is for, because we guys we go forward in 2020, more positivity and more understanding. So cheers. Oh, cheers to that. Oh man, we could really use a little bit more of that, right? It's we're all kind of just climbing on top of each other and kind of policing each other in a time where gosh, I think we could all just really use a break. And if your intentions are good and you're, it's coming from the heart, um, yeah. I respect that, you know? 2020 has been rough on all of us. So I think uh, we can all come out of this and be like, oh man, you know, can we just put this all behind us and be a better society and better people across the board? Mm-hmm. You know, how do we get to that point? You know, by listening more and talking a little bit less. So that is so beautifully said. How are you doing? Uh, I'm okay. Um, it, I've been lucky enough to have friends reach out to me from around the world, which is great. Uh, I've had people from Canada and Spain, France, and Portugal, and Germany reach out to me. So that, that's pretty cool. Um, knowing people think about you in this difficult time is very, it's very interesting. Uh, it's been, it's really, really terrifying that this thing happened in broad daylight, and you know, it took all this this time for people to be held accountable. Um, the sad part about it is seeing images of it happening over and over and over and over again. It's enough to give you PTSD. Uh, it really is something that's truly frightening in this day and age. We live in the information age that we've never had more information available to us at our fingertips than at this point in time. Um, but at the same token, it's really frightening at the same time to be able to see that over and over and over and over again. So, uh, so yeah, I kind of had to take some space away from, uh, the the constant inundation of images of death, and I just kind of had to get out of out of it, and you know, turn off my phone and start watching the news, and get out of town for a little bit, which is what I did. So yeah, um, that's so important to take those moments of I guess you know they call it self care, whatever it is. You know, mental health is just you know it's really hard to create a separation, especially when it's something that's so so much a part of like your experience. I imagine you know I mean it's difficult for all of us to watch, but you know, when it's like, oh my God, that person could literally be me. That could be me yeah, oh yeah, today, totally. tomorrow, the next day. Yeah. Totally. I mean, I totally understand. Um, a lot of black men have gone through this. We all have this experience, this shared experience, which is horrible encounters with the police. You know, I'm you know, physically a big guy. I'm 6'2", I'm 200 pounds. You know, I've, I've definitely had images with the police and they've definitely been rough with me. Um, so yeah, I can totally, you know, you know, I can completely and totally, you know, empathize with this, with the situation that these other men have gone through. We all have been there. We all have stories, all of us. Especially when you're an athlete, you know, it compounds it. And men in general aren't exactly taught to be open. Not at all. You're meant to be, you know, strong and a tough guy. Do you think this is maybe going to open up a conversation about those experiences? I think so. I think that's definitely happening now. Um, I think it's long overdue. I think men in general do not want to talk about this stuff. Feelings and feelings of, you know, whether it be you know, anxiety or feelings of, you know, stress or things that are, that are awful that happen to you. You know, men, the culture of manliness does not really allow for that. And the culture um, and a lot of athletes does not really allow for that. You fight through the pain, you deal with it, you... <laughs> You know, you are constantly feeling like you have to support the team and, and not speak up, you know, um, and that's that's the feeling for a lot of men in, in restaurants as well. Um, I was just so going to say that. that. <laughs> the overlap has been there. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah, I didn't want to interrupt true. you, but yeah, it's just, it's very much that sort of militaristic mentality. Like you just, you work really hard. You play really hard as well. Totally. You go to work and you, and you put it, yeah, you put the pedal to the metal and you make it happen and you leave that night and you, you know, repeat, you know, repeat, 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 repeat. That's mm-hmm. the culture. Um, mm-hmm. so, so that's, mm-hmm. yeah. Do you think it's a little bit harder even for you to deal with now because you're not working full time and you're kind of having to be alone in these, I shouldn't say alone, but with these thoughts and experiencing news, you know, not being able to kind of disconnect and go into work and serve other people. I imagine you love doing what you do and serving people and being around people. Is it hard to not have that distraction? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's been, it's been interesting because I've never had this much time off in my life. Uh, so it's caused a lot of self-reflection, which is great, but also you're constantly, you know, in a space where you're dealing with this stimuli. Um, and it's, it can be damaging, you know, to a lot of, I speaking with other friends of mine, it can be really, really damaging to all of us in a dark place. Um, mm-hmm. So it's been, uh, you know, very, very difficult last couple of weeks dealing with this first Amart Aubrey, um, Breonna Taylor, and now of course, George Floyd. It's been really, really a difficult couple of weeks uh, if you're a black in America. So yeah. it's, uh, yeah. I can, I can only imagine and I can only try my best to empathize, but I just, I mean, I don't know what that is like. And I just, you know, I hope, I really do hope that this brings about real true and lasting change. Cause it's just been a long you know, you mentioned, you know, Ahmad and Brianna and all these things. It's like, but I mean, you and I were talking a little bit earlier. I was like, I was just watching Becoming and Michelle Obama was like rattling off a list of, you know, 15 different young men. Young, I mean, they're like 16 year old boys. It's just like this stuff has been happening and it's been happening since the beginning of our country. Like, I just really hope yeah. that this wakes everybody up and just really does shake us at our core, which it seems like it has. I mean, I know even last night for me, I did the little go outside with your flashlight and shine it up in the sky for eight minutes and 46 seconds. And that is a long time. It really made me realize how long, oh my God. You know, it's like, okay, eight minutes, you know, 10 minutes goes by so fast when you're, you know, sipping wine with friends, but my word, that is a long period of time. And it just, it's very sobering. You defy what the traditional vision, I guess, of a sommelier is, which is kind of like a nose in the air French dude. Um, so, right. and also you used to play in the minor leagues. So like, how the heck did you come to your career? Uh, it's a crazy story. I came home, um, after everything was over and I was living with my parents and I was kind of figuring out what I wanted to do. Um, I'd worked in restaurants in the off season I'd worked in them in high school and beyond. Um, so I was working at a restaurant at a friend's family's restaurant. Um, they had a small wine program and one day the bartender slash manager quit and I was quickly promoted to waiter to bartender. And I also took in charge, took in charge of the wine program. So literally I was thrown into it. I don't start reading books right away. And uh, a couple of months later, I, you know, really took it seriously and started reading very seriously and uh, tasting a lot of wine, traveling a little bit um, and figured out this is what I wanted to do. Um, Nobody ever told me that this was a career path that was viable for me. And so I had to figure it out on my own. Um, and that meant, you know, doing whatever it took, whether it was, you know, working part-time in a wine shop. I did that. I, you know, I just traveled a whole bunch and drank a lot of wine with friends. I started an underground restaurant in my house. You know, I did whatever it took. 
you know, so it was kind of like, it was, you know, a crash course in learning very quickly and learning about wine and pairings and understanding the difference uh, and, and understanding the, the, the synergy between food and wine. So that was kind of what happened. I had to do with myself. You know, it was a good year and a half of pretty hard work, but I loved it. And I've been involved in wine ever since. I took the intro course for the Sony exam in 2000. 10 and certified in 2012. So, uh, yeah, so now I'm, I've been in the industry now almost 10 years. It's kind of flown by. Wow. So what is that like the, the test for people who haven't watched Psalm, for instance, like what does that yeah. training look like? It's, uh, it's pretty rough. It's, it's a, it's a the certified exam. It's a full day and it is a mix of a, a, a questionnaire, 50 questions on the test um, can be from all over the world. So, and they can be matchings, you know, they can be multiple choice, short answer sections, a lot of moving parts of that. Uh, there is a service practitioner, uh, you know, service like practical, and then there is a tasting portion as well. So at the time when I took it, it was two wines. I believe it's four now, uh, but uh, it's been, it's, it's one of the hardest things I've ever had to go through, um, but it was truly worth it because it was a great experience. It's um, teaching yourself how to identify, you know, exact flavors and regions of wine to me was so challenging. I, I worked at Bonnie Dune was my first like real yeah, with job. Yeah, with Randall. It was such a crazy time. Like the place was still up in the woods. It was very hippy trippy. I mean, as it still is, they've since sold. So I think a little bit of that yeah. maybe um, uh-huh. has been lost and they've moved the location. But it was really fun when we um, would go on break in the break room, just like you're talking about, there are just books everywhere and you just start pouring through them. The thing I sure. loved the most was that Nez Devon kit that I imagine you guys might use with the little oils in it where you sniff, sniff and kind of. Yeah. I've point. used those before. They're pretty cool. Really yeah. neat stuff. But my yeah. God, it's like a, it's another language for your brain that is not verbal and it's, it's so challenging. So to see you guys blind tasting stuff and then naming the vintage and <laughs> the region and then like what it is it's mind-boggling um it's like working out to me it's like you know it's it's, it's totally like an experience like right? going to the gym or working out or you know being in drills or something like that it's a it's a something you have to build up um it doesn't come right away very few people i know take this right away and just run with it uh, it's like anything else it's truly one of the most amazing experiences you can, can do as a, as a white professional when you first entered did you just feel like a fish out of water. I was like, dude, nobody looks like me. Like what is going on? I don't, maybe Absolutely. I don't belong here. I never felt like I didn't belong, but I definitely feel like people are staring at you or they're not really sure what you're doing or and it's kind of this moment where you're like, oh man, this is super uncomfortable for me because I am the only person of color in this room. Wine in general is extremely Eurocentric and it's very male centric. So it's a lot of white men in rooms. Um, in general, that's beginning to kind of fade away now. We're seeing more women, more people of color. Uh, it's long overdue because this industry is white as hell and it is male as hell. So it, we are seeing a lot less of that now, thank God, because um, new perspectives are great. Women are amazing in this business and people of color have done been in this business since being the beginning and just now beginning to make some inroads. Um, it's been, it's a tough industry to be in if you are sensitive to things like that, because you will be the only person of color in that room sometimes. And you have to kind of, the standard is higher for you. You know, you don't have the ability to go out and be like, okay, I got drunk last night. You know, people are going to look at you differently. So Mm -hmm. standard is much higher uh, for you Mm. um, because uh, it's a different 
world for you. Um, it is a very, it's pretty much a boys club still. And some of that's going to fall away, luckily, you know, here in 2020. Yeah. yeah. Do you hope that you might inspire some, you know, younger kids of a new generation to be like, oh my God, wait a minute, that guy's doing it. Maybe that is an option for me. Yeah, I think that's great. I, th- I love that. I love uh, the ability of to talk to people and answer questions. And anybody who's ever asked me a question, I'll be happy to sit down and talk with them about it or mentor, or do whatever it takes. I was mentored pretty early on by people who have faith in me and I want to be able to pay that forward and pay it back because I think it's very important. Um, yeah. I know a lot of people in this business who've mentored other people and I love that. I think there should be more of that across the board. Um, it's a tough industry and it's... Uh, the more you know and the more people you know, the better at it you'll be. Right. And the more successful you'll be. Um, right. I definitely think that there's a lot of talented young minority kids out there that would be amazing in this business and just have not had the opportunities, you know, that have been presented to other people. Totally. Totally. And it's just like, I wonder, you know, mentorship is obviously such a huge thing. It's something that we're talking about right now a lot in the food media as well, because we have a huge diversity problem. Um, oddly enough, it's a white white girls club. It's one of the few places that is like dominated by women. Um, but, you know, we do talk about mentorship quite a bit. Um, I, I would love it if there were more, you know, college community college outreach programs that we're getting to students who are like, look, you know, I want to learn a trade. Like I may not have the money to go to USC or whatever it is, but I've got an interest in this. And there are so many different ways to enter the industry across the board. You know, it doesn't have to be as a SOM or doesn't have to be a chef. Like you could be a caterer, you could be in marketing, you know, I mean, there's so many different um, avenues and, and arenas. I just think it's kind of maybe tapping into a different pool than we've traditionally tapped into kind of yeah. breaking the mold as to what that path maybe looks like. I mean, I don't know what that would look like for a SOM if there are other like opportunities to kind of break these barriers aside from, from mentorship. What do you, what do you think? What do you see? I think the beverage, the beverage world is super interesting. There's a lot of opportunities and there's a lot of pathways to go. You don't always have to be a SOM. You can maybe, you know, there's lots of opportunities in craft brewing. There's lots of opportunities in distilling. We've been in this industry in beverage since the very beginning. The first like celebrity chefs were black. They were, you know, James Hemmings, who worked for Thomas Jefferson, um, who actually was his, you know, mistress's brother in this like weird situation. You know, he sent, he, yeah, Sally Hemmings was his mistress. He sent her brother to Paris to go learn to be a French chef and came back and had this knowledge of food and wine and then later on became a brewer. So we've been involved in beverage since the beginning of this country. Um, also, you know, look at Jack Daniels. The Jack, the Jack Daniels distiller distillery is actually the recipe and the method comes from a, a, a slave. You know, Jack Daniels is a slave, you know, nearest. Um, so we have been in this business for a long time and the visibility just has not been there. Um, and I think there's a lot of avenues and opportunities for people of color uh, now that then there didn't exist in the future, in the past. And we just have to, you know, the visibility is important because people have to know that this opportunities are available to you if you want them and that you can make an impact on this business too. You don't have to be, you know, a white guy to do this. You can be, you know, a, a woman, a person of color and, you know, these opportunities are available to you too. You know, uh, it's important to, to highlight that as well. Totally. Totally. That's so interesting about, um, nearest. I didn't realize I love uncle nearest whiskey i imagine yeah. did he then leave jack daniels and then start his own thing is that how that happened or no uncle nearest is a sub kind of product of from the jack daniels distillery it's the original recipe of jack daniels so it's charcoal filtered which is something that the african slaves brought from africa 
you know, was just distilling their first, you know, like uh, distilling, you know, uh, just in Africa and, and, you know, for colonial times, uh, along with beer brewing. Beer was more prevalent there than wine. Um, so uh, it's something that they brought from Africa. And so it's been, you know, it's a, it's a recipe that, that was taken from them because, you know, it was, didn't belong to them. They couldn't patent a recipe. Right. So, uh, so yeah, that's the original recipe for Jack Daniels. It's local nearest. Oh my goodness. This is why we need to teach more black history in schools, not just one (laughs) month. Oh my God. I would have been fascinated to learn about that. You know what I mean? That's so cool. I had no idea the charcoal filtering fucking wild. Yeah. It's a trip, right? Yeah. Really, really cool. Look, you know, I think what um, you were doing at Auburn and I imagine what you're going to be doing in the future is kind of tapping into these really cool wine regions. And there's like diversity represented there as well in terms of not just being this very Eurocentric perspective on um, a wine menu and a wine program. Where are some places that you are really excited about right now in terms of wines around the world and even here domestically? Sure. I'm super excited to talk about Texas um, and Hill Country there. It's a lot happening. Uh, there's a lot of really interesting wine coming out of there. And Texas Hill Country is the second most visited wine region in the United States after Napa Valley. And I think what? a lot of people, yeah, I didn't realize that, did you? I've done that today during research. It's pretty crazy. Oh my God, Rick, you're blowing my mind. Kind of makes sense, heck? right? Uh, it, but does, great, it does. They've really, it makes sense. It's the middle of the country. Texas people like to drink and they like their wine. So yeah, go for it. It's right there. It makes sense, you know? Yeah, uh, there's a great the restaurant scene in Houston and... Absolutely. Absolutely. There's been a, you know, Austin has a great restaurant scene. So it makes sense for people to kind of get out of the state and go to hell country to go and, you know, taste some wine and, you know, eat some amazing food. It makes it totally works. Uh, mm. But I'm excited to, to taste Tempranillo from there because I think the climate is super, uh, it's complimentary to the grape variety. It's warm. It's like a lot of sunlight. Uh, it's, a, it's a grape variety that thrives in hot weather. So it kind of makes sense. Uh, Pedrales is the... Um, Pinarolis is the, is the winery there that makes some pretty kick-ass Tempranillo. Uh, mm. I decided to taste that stuff a couple years ago. I was pretty blown away. Um, I had the structure of Tempranillo, which is a tad lighter than what you find in Spain, uh, but very, very good. Um, so I'm a really big fan of, of Texas whole country wine. It's been a lot of interesting stuff coming out of there. So keep your eye on that region. Uh, yeah. Also, Virginia, I'd love to try that with the BBQ, but like, that sounds amazing with the barbecue. I feel day. like, I mean, the Tempranillo I had when I was, I was, I got to travel around through the Rio in Spain, which was like the dreamiest road trip ever. But thinking about it, I'm like, wait a minute, that right? is kind of like hill country in Texas. And the, the, I mean, Extabari, that was like the perfect pairing of Tempranillo is like that smoky, the char on all the meats and like everything was smoked and the Tempranillo was so good with it. So I imagine Texas barbecue, some brisket, some burnt ends with some Tempranillo. Brisket, totally hot links. You know, yeah. like, let's, let's go. That sounds amazing. Yes. Take Crush me there now. Right now. No, right now. Seriously. <laughs> so good. That sounds so good. I forgot also, we, we didn't even, we got so excited about chatting. We didn't even talk about Chapel Down, this beautiful sparkling yeah. wine from England of all places. From England. What? Yeah, from, from, from Britain, from England. Um, hmm. I was in, in Virginia a couple years ago. I was talking to, not to name drop, but I was talking to Jancis Robinson. And, oh, hello. Uh, <laughs> That's a name you drop, Rick. But yeah, you can drop she was, that. She was sitting next awesome. to me at a, at a, at a, at a dinner. We were, talk, we were talking. It was, it was uh, you know, it was, it was very, <laughs> it, was, it was pretty cool. Wow, that's a story to tell the grandkids right there. Wow. Yeah, so she and I were talking and she told me, she goes, you know, um, 
sparkling wine from England within 10 years or so is going to be on par with some of the best in the world. It won't be champagne, but it'll be really, really good. And I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. She's absolutely right. Cause she's dances, you know? So yeah, of course she got yeah. it right. So this is from uh, <laughs> Chapel Down. Else. Yeah. <laughs> Chapel Down is a great, uh, winery here in England in Tetraden, which is in Kent in the English countryside. Uh, England has a lot of geographical similarities with uh, Champagne, chalk on the soil, cool climate, uh, not a lot of sunlight. So it's, you're going to get grapes that have a lot of acidity um, and the, those, that acid is perfect making sparkling wine. And so this is Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, a little bit of Meunier. So Champagne grapes made in England. Um, Chapel Down is an extremely modern winery. We've been around like, I want to say less than 20 years, probably like 15 years. So they are very modernist in their approach. Uh, this wine is very fresh. It's very fragrant. It's vibrant. It has a lot of, you know, freshness. And it's just like a, a very fresh taken sparkling wine. Champagne has a great yeastiness component to them. It doesn't really have that. This is more that great zesty, you know, fresh, vibrant, a lot of acidity thing going on here. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, clean. I love that. The acid factor is so great. It's not, it's very dry, um, which I love. No. Uh, you're right. It doesn't have that like bready nature of champagne, which I, I do. I do also love that, but the, yeah, I really of kind course. of enjoy that. Like, like, like love zest of like a lime zest or something. It's nice. It's really totally. good. How much yeah, would this be? Like, this bottle, this chapel down non-vintage. About $30. Oh, whoa. Yeah. It's not, it's not, it's not expensive. Um, but, it's, but it's excellent. Um, so good. And you, I love your pairings. They're always so much fun. So <laughs> I love fried chicken and champagne. So I like naturally go to that, but I feel like this has some different qualities to it that might be fun with some other, other options. What do you reckon? Absolutely. I think, um, when I look at potato chips, like these salty, ruffly potato chips, like ruffles, I'm, I'm all in on that. That sounds amazing. You know, they, they're like just enough to kind of wipe away some of that great, fattiness and that great saltiness just a great pairing with with anything potato chip wise um also the the traditional british food like fish and chips um, oh yeah you know like all day with this fish and chips and some mushy peas you know fantastic here as well um just yeah. great to go to go with 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 fish and chips to clean your palate and has a little bit of that citrusy component there as well um so great for fish and chips as well or as well we also have the chip buddy so, which is the another traditionally British food? It's basically French fries on bread with butter. So, oh my god! <laughs> so, oh my, how yeah. British is that? Oh my word! They're the only ones that love carbs and fried food more than we do. It's like anything that's like white, white and beige foods. Um, Pretty British, but also yeah, that's so. like a hangover cure right there. You have some bubbles in the morning with some some carbs, <laughs> carbs and carbs Amazing. and carbs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I love the idea of fish and chips. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds so freaking good. I have to tell you, one of my like real big treats is sometimes, well, I try to make it a tradition if I can. New Year's Eve, I do um, ruffles with caviar and champagne. Oh, boy. It's a real treat. Ruffles are like the perfect chip. They have like the perfect amount of crunch. You know, they're just salty enough. They're just oily enough. You know, like people always ask me like, what's a, you know, like what are all these things that you like to eat with all these you know high end foods? I'm like, give me some ruffles and a bottle of champagne. I'm, I'm good. You know, having a great time. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We're on the same page, Rick. We are, you're speaking totally. my language. Paint a picture for me of where this is located in Kent. Cause it sounded pretty spectacular. I, from what I understand, I've never been to this, to this, uh, to this, this winery, but it's pretty remote. Uh, from what I understand, and it's uh, it's like I think it was a sheep farm they converted 
Um, and it's just, it's a really, really, you know, kind of remote area with that is, you know, really, really beautiful. And there's cliffs and there's like coastal Atlantic ocean. And there's, you know, so when I understand it's very, very breathtaking. LVMH is doing some serious investment there as well. Yeah. Really yeah. kind of change has, has really allowed, has really allowed the British to be able to grow grapes. They've been making wine a long time. And most of it sucked. <laughs> so kind of change has really allowed, allowed the English to be able to be a player on the, on the scene for making wine. And that was not a thing 20 years ago. They weren't, they couldn't be, there's no way they could make wine at this scale. So and the yeah. climate change is horrible. It's awful, but it's good for the wine industry for certain places that are cool climate. Germany, Austria, and England are the three I think of the most. Switzerland as well. Yeah. Gosh, it's so weird to think about buying property on spec for that sort of situation. It's like, where will yeah. it be 10 degrees hotter? It's sort of got that like cloud cover that you want. I don't know. It's sort of coastal Mediterranean. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, it's such a weird, weird time, but also look, it's benefiting these guys. I mean, you and I were also chatting about Brazil, which blew my mind because I always think yeah. of Brazil and you think of everybody running around in thongs and it's like hotter than blazes in more ways uh -huh. than one. They're making wine down there now? They've been making wine for a, long, for a while. Um, and I mean, it's been, it hasn't been great a lot of the time, um, but they've, there's a couple of wineries that are doing really, really great stuff. Okay, so the producer I was, I was thinking about was Pav Geisa. They're from Brazil. Uh, this is from Sierra Galcha. It's mostly Chardonnay here, and a little bit of Pinot Noir from Sierra Galcha, and then Brazil, which is uh, it's kind of the, kind of closer to, I believe, closer to the ocean there uh, huh. in the country. So, so Cav Gaisa, if you ever uh, are looking for sparkling wine from an unusual place, look at Brazil. This sparkling wine is really, really excellent. Is the climate a little bit cooler there where you were speaking about? I think it's pretty warm across the board. Um, I just think that the, the, the coastal influence from the ocean will give it a little bit of, uh, of, of a cool climate influence as well. Huh. So yeah. interesting. Um, look, I got to say, I really just want to go on a road trip through Texas at this point and like go explore <laughs> the Tempranillo. It's so, oh man, I feel like this is going to be the year of the great American road trip, you know? Okay. So tell me about Virginia though. That's interesting. Virginia's uh, Jefferson was one of the first people to bring cuttings back from uh, from Roman regions. He liked. He brought cuttings back from from Bordeaux. He brought cuttings back from Piemonte. None of them stuck, um, fortunately. But he was really a big a big proponent of viticulture in the U.S. Um, so he uh, did plant a vineyard behind Monticello. Uh, so it's actually an AVA called Monticello AVA. There's a, oh my gosh, uh, I've been to Monticello when I was a little kid, and I do now. I'm thinking back of like that. The farm was so cool. Yeah, the farm is super cool. Um, he, I think, had one of the largest collections of Madeira on Earth at the time. They've kind of unearthed his whole selection of port Madeira and stuff that he's he bought over the years, which is pretty interesting. There's a great winery there called Barbersville, uh, which is the Monticello AVA, which is in just north of Charlottesville, Virginia, a place with a, uh, you know, kind of a, a, a great place with a, now has an, has an awful name attached to it, you know, so it, it, that's a, it's a great city. I've been there on numerous occasions, but, uh, but it's a, uh, it's, it's, you know, yeah, had it, some, some nasty stuff happen there a couple years ago. Yikes. Uh, but, well, um, you know, if I were a looter in one of those riots, I'd be going straight to Jefferson's place, getting some of that port, <laughs> you know, stick a straw in one of the barrels and call it a day. Just go nuts, right? Um, but oh, making wine a lot of time. Uh, they make Viognier, it's the grape variety that they've been making for a while. Um, so you think of Viognier, of course, somebody thinks of the Rhone first, Vicondru, and maybe Santa Barbara, but the Viognier they make there is extraordinary. Very, very mm -hmm. great. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm not always a big fan of Viognier. It can be a little oily for me. It can be a little 
dense for me in terms of palo wise, but the Viennet they make there is very, very good. So if you ever see Monticello ABA Viognier from Barbersville, please check it out because it's delicious. Mm. Yeah, we made a, a Viognier, uh, um, late harvest Viognier at Bonnie Dune. It was called Viognier Dew. And I actually still have the bottle. Like, I'll show it to you. I'll pick it up right now. Um, but it, because it was, he always did that artwork with, you know, Ralph Steadman and all that stuff. It was so beautiful yeah. at the time. Um, now everybody is doing that. But uh, the late harvest uh, Viognier was so beautiful, but it was, it's, I think, more suited if you're going to do it solo on its own and not as a blending grape. I think it's really nicely suited to a dessert wine. That champagne, you had a late harvest champagne that I remember on the um, Auburn menu, yeah. which is so interesting. Yep. Catouche Chippenois, uh, which is like the, the red version of champagne. And then, um, yeah, late harvest dessert wines from champagne, which is super interesting. Um, love that never, stuff. I had never seen that before. And that's so fun. I mean, you just, you know, you think of champagne as being one, one thing. It's now its own appellation, I think, right? That It, it has been for a while, yeah. Um, it's super cool talking about, you know, Ratafia Champenois is like the, a byproduct of champagne. So it's, it's made on the second pass. So the first mm-hmm. pass to make everything from, you know, goes into making champagne. Ratafia is basically whatever's left over. The grapes are, are raisinated. They're all weird looking. They may not be, you know, to the level. So they just come super sweet and then this is pressed. And then that's kind of what you get, which is super delicious as well. Yeah. So yeah. it's great with food. I actually think that's what this was. It was a second. It's like a, a what do they call it? Passata or something like that. I think Pasito. that was what it's called. Pasito. Yeah. yeah that's yeah, why it was called Viognier Do the second. It's been a long time, man. It was funny. I was going through and like doing some cleaning this morning and I found my old business cards from there and I was like, wow, this is like with all my stuff from, you know, college books and things like that. It's just amazing how time flies on by. It's so wild. Yeah. He's still around and doing his thing. Randall's hilarious. He did a keynote speech at an event I was at a couple of years ago, and it was the most meandering and insane speech ever. But it was super. It was a lot of great information in it. You know? Yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> he is. He's something else. I think he's a super interesting dude. You know, so he's like he's a, he's a cool cat. A freaking pioneer, man. I will say that oh, much. Yeah. Crazy as you, I mean, like the time, you know, and we, it was like, oh, I had the first to do the stealth enclosure and he's going to do the wrong thing. And now, isn't he like creating some like clone or our new, new Vitis vinifera or something? Like, yes, he is creating like site specific vinifera in a lab. It's really, really out there. You should take a, take a look at it because he's doing something that has not been done in the US before, I think maybe in the world. It's super insane you know so but he it's a brain Graham thing so it, it will probably work um uh, yeah exactly i love crazy people who just like dare to dream and are like yep yeah, fuck you guys <laughs> i'm doing whatever yeah, i want we're, and it's gonna, we're gonna work do it. we're gonna go for it but yeah it'll probably work because it probably will um <laughs> totally so it's it's exciting to see it really is so what do you have coming down the pike rick because i want to follow giving it a little bit of, of a bump. I uh, am going to be a partner in a, in a new restaurant, in a new space, a wine bar. I can't really talk about a whole lot of it just yet, but uh, please follow me on Instagram and you know, we'll be able to talk a little bit about it in the coming weeks because it's still kind of uh, coming together so quickly. I love that. I'm so excited that you're getting ownership over it too, because it's something that happens far too often that like the creative minds end up being um, utilized and then you don't have actual partnership in it. So I'm really glad that you have advocated for yourself and the time is N-O-W. I can't wait for that. Also, selfishly, I like the fact that it's 
potentially going to be close to my house. <laughs> so that's great. I'm like, great. We need, a, we need a wine bar in this area for sure. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, necessary. So cool. it, it, it'll be fun. It'll be a, uh, it'll be a kind of a fun space where people can come and drink some cool wine. So and yeah. that's what's most important to me. Totally. Good wine, good food, good service, good vibes, man. All the things. Emphasis on the vibe. How about the vibe tribe? What What are you yeah. thinking? Aside from like the, the vibe, is there sort of like aesthetically, is there anything you're thinking? What kind of wines do you want to focus on? Are there some points of inspiration restaurant wise? I don't know. I don't know if it, if, if there's really, I've, I've been inspired by so many places around the country that I've been to um, in terms of, of wine bars and restaurants that I've been to that are wine focused. Um, I just want to take a little bit of the best of everything and kind of make this space, you know, the of, of a space that's inclusive of everyone and give everybody a chance to come and drink some cool wine. Um, no matter who you are off the street, if you're a person who knows a lot about wine, you can find a great glass or bottle of wine. For somebody that doesn't know a lot and wants to learn, come on in. We'll, we'll be happy to help you. You know, I think the snobbery thing has got to go. And I think the intimidation has got to go. And I think there's got to be more focus on wellness and making people feel good um, and conviviality rather than the snobby culture of wine that I think has gotten a bad rap. And deservedly so, because it's bullshit. Word. <laughs> it's time for that to go, especially now that yeah, we come go. back into like, we just need a little bit of comfort. People just want to chill. You know, I think ultimately also, like I've just been kind of craving like just intimacy. Like I don't want like a bunch of people. I don't need crowds. Like I just kind of want to be able to like hang out with my friend, maybe one, maybe two. I don't need to be with a ton of people. I don't want to be like packed to the gills with anybody, but I do want to be in a place where there's great wine, great food, some great music, which by the way, love your taste in music. (laughs) (laughs) You should follow him on the gram for all the reasons to obviously find out about the, you know, the current project or the upcoming project, but also Rick has a great taste in music. Didn't you used to work in radio from what I was hearing? Yeah. I worked in radio. Yeah. Shoot, no pressure. Jeez, Krista. <laughs> Sarah, edit this episode and make it sound really good, okay? Um, when, when was that? Was that before, in, kind of in between that time of um, baseball and then somewhere? Yeah. yeah. My, my degree is in broadcast communications. Uh, so I initially got into radio, wanted to be getting into sports, um, and then had always been interested in music. My dad is a big music guy. Um, so it was kind of, was kind of a, a space for me that was that was important too was uh, being around music as well so i always had was the guy making playlists in the car was the guy you know that guy you know <laughs> uh, so yeah. everybody want needs a friend that is that guy or gal yeah, like it's yeah. yeah we gotta have gotta have good tunes it's nothing isn't that crazy when yeah. you're like man this place has everything going on the people are looking good the food is good the wine is good but then the music is like eh, music is where it's too yeah. loud and it's like fuck that just kills kills the vibe it yeah, makes it or breaks everything yeah, Same the, with the, film. The, the ambiance is important. It's very important to have that 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 kind of ambiance important component. You know, um, it's really important. You know, that you, you, I don't want to hang out in a space that has bad music. Whereas, you know, I, I don't. I just really don't. You know, I want to hang out somewhere if I'm going to spend my money and my time somewhere. It's, it's valuable. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It also felt like towards you know in the before times, it felt like there was something. I don't know what was going on, but it felt like. There were a couple different restaurateurs, but they were doing a lot of different projects. I'm not going to name any names, but they all seemed to like just blast Biggie and Tupac, which again, I love Biggie and Tupac, but it was like, why is this in this space? And why is it so loud? And like, what's going on? Like, it just felt like that became the thing and the acoustics were so bad and it just kind of like really detracted from the experience rather than enhancing it. 
yeah, the frustrating thing is going to those places and hearing, you know, Biggie and Tupac and Young Thug and Future and, and then not seeing a single person of color on the floor, which is really, really weird. You know, which that is part. like, yeah, you're like, okay, like, great. Thanks for appreciating the culture, but there's nobody of color in this entire space. You know, it's, yeah. it's weird, you know? <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, yeah, it's a little weird, but I really do hope, you know, and I, I really strongly feel that young people seeing someone like you and knowing that it's possible and knowing that, Hey, look, you went to school for broadcast journalism. You were a baseball player. Like you can still do it. It's not something that you have to be, you know, rich with your family, you know, traveling the world and they don't have to be, you know, dining at Michelin star restaurants. No. If they are great, like that's wonderful. I didn't come from that background. Yeah. You didn't sound like you didn't come from that background either, but yet here we are. Not at Drinking all. some chapel down. Not at all. <laughs> <Yeah. You know? laughs> Not at all. I had a lot of friends who were lucky who grew up in that kind of environment and were traveling around the world and going to Europe every summer and that kind of stuff. And the wine was on the table everywhere and it's kind of got into wine. And I didn't come from that. I have a different perspective. And I see a lot of wine lists around the country and they're all kind of written by the same couple of guys and they all look the same. You know, so I've always been trying tried to add a different perspective because my, my experiences are different. And I want to give a little bit of my experiences into the wine list I create into the pairings that I make into the, you know, the experiences that I'm able to curate for people. Um, so that's important to get somebody else's perspective who isn't, you know, this monolithic, you know, ideal of what a sommelier could be. Mm -hmm. It is. And it, it translates to that. You should know as well, because it's, it's, cool to see like at Auburn, for instance, you know, it's a definitely a fine dining establishment. People are probably coming there. They probably may want to have like a traditional champagne and they may want to have like a grunt crew or whatever, but you have those things. But then there are also like really fun regions, varietals that I'd never heard of. I mean, I'm not saying that I'm some fancy wine expert. I'm not Jancis, but still I was like, oh, this is kind of fun and exploratory. I'm learning something. And, um, that diversity in your selection is coming through as well. And, and that's equally as important, I think. Yeah, I think it's, it's great to have a different perspective or come from a different place um, and offer that to a restaurant. Um, and that kind of stuff is super valuable. Um, and it's exciting for people to be able to experience that. I remember when I was first starting out and I was like, I don't know what San Giovese is, but I'll taste it, you know, like, or I don't know what, you know, what this weird Portuguese wine is, but I'll taste it, you know? Uh, but you know, it was kind of, most people were into that. They're like, I don't know what this is. I'll give it a shot, you know? Mm -hmm. So well, let's, you know, like it, it's always important for me to kind of, if I'm learning something and I'm jacked about it, I'm geeked on it. Let's show it to people too. Let's get people, everybody involved because my growth is everybody else's growth, you know, and vice versa. And people come in and they're like, I want to try this. I don't, I've never tasted it before. And I'm like, I never had it either. Let's pop the cork in and taste it together. <laughs> you know, uh, so, <laughs> yeah. So, I yeah, love so that's that. kind of the fun part. This is the, the back and forth, but from guest to, to someone, you know. Uh, Rick, you're such an inspiration. You're just really, even through a screen, I'm like, oh, this guy's great. Um, you really are. Hey, so see, since you love music so much, and we're in this crazy time. Um, yeah. What would be like a good pairing of just some like really wonderful music, some really good wine to just get you through it all? Oh man, you know, my favorite singer of all time is Marvin Gaye. So be able to, I think the great, you know, album to me is What's Going On by Marvin Gaye. It's my favorite album of all time. It's a beautiful record that has some, a lot of social, um, you know, issues on it. And it's, it, it's, an, it's like this sang with this incredible man who's an incredible singer um, and the music is just so good, you know, and just one of those records you can put on and play over and over and over again. 
Um, so it's just, it's a, it's a great, great kind of uh, record that is very in touch with what's happening socially. I mm. also am a big fan of this other lady. I have her poster here that I had just cut, getting framed tomorrow. Um, and that is... Oh my God, Shade, shut it down. <laughs> what so, a legend. Oh, yeah, that is a beautiful this, this poster is a, too. This is a first run poster of this album too. So I'm super geeked on this. I got an eBay. So what? shout out to eBay for having this. <sighs> Yeah, so we all need to just be serenaded by Sade and have some champagne and calm the fuck down. Everybody, <laughs> absolutely. If everybody just, just kicked in and listened to Sade and just relax a little bit, we would have a lot less problems. Um, <laughs> I was comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Definitely more, um, more babies, but also, you know, yes. but also less conflict in the world. Well, with that, Rick, I feel like that's a high note if I've ever heard one. Um, so I'm going to say thank you one more time uh, to thank you, you so much for, for having me on this on this on this on the show. It's been great. I really appreciate it. So it's been really cool, and I really do hope that um, you know by the time you've got your place up and running, end of year, we'll be out of the Rona. I'm going to be doing this in a studio where we can actually be P to P, face to face. Sipping, toasting, listen to some shot day, you know? (laughs) I'm looking forward Um, to it. Yeah. But thanks so much again. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about that we didn't discuss? Um, I just want to say thank you to everybody who's reached out to me and everybody who's kind of checked on me in the last couple of weeks. It's been a great, very moving experience. I really appreciate everybody looking out for me and other people of color. Thank you for doing that. Reach out to your friends. Look out for your friends. Keep your friends in your heart right now because we, we all need it right now. It's been, a, it's been a rough couple of weeks for us. But thank you very much for everybody who's done that. Thank you. Beautiful. Thank you so much for opening up to all of us too. Again, I know it's not an easy time, but I just really appreciate your vulnerability and your honesty and also just sharing something inspiring and positive. So your toast already came true. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Cheers. Thank you again. Cheers, dude. That's delightful. I think I need to find myself some fish and chips. Yes, you do. Go get it. So you guys make sure to follow Rick Arlen at Rick Eats Stuff on Instagram, and he will give you all the 411 on his latest spot. Um, And also the guy loves to eat and travel and drink some ridiculous bottles of wine. So if you want to know what to pick up next time you make a little drop, follow along. 